Welcome to Watch This Space, the podcast about future of work. Every month, we bring you insider perspectives on how digital transformation, emerging technologies, and generational change are shaping the future of work. We are two analog guys finding the groove for all of this in today's digital world. I'm John Arnold, and these trends are my focus as an independent technology analyst in my company, Jay Arnold and Associates. And I'm Chris Fine. I'm a consultant and strategist specializing in workplace technology, IoT, and security, and a bunch of other miscellaneous areas. My company is Integrative Technologies. Hey, John, glad to be back. Hi, everybody. Hope all's well. All right. And the same here. Welcome to everybody for another edition of Watch This Space. And uh, we are going into early fall now. I've I don't know about you, Chris, but summer is all of a sudden feeling like a long time ago. It's gotten pretty cool. And of course, we're back to things like football that kind of set the tone and people going back to campuses and stuff. And uh, it's it, it's like a big shift all of a sudden. Everyone is going places. Um, there's a lot more travel now. There's a lot more social stuff. People going to, you know, live events, uh, you know, going into classrooms now. It's you know, it's, it's, it doesn't, it, we know we're not back to normal yet, but there's that feeling of doing those things, which is good. That's, that's what makes us tick, I guess. But um, it, it's a different vibe than when we were doing summer podcasts, right? Oh yeah. It was, it's, it seems like more of the flip the switch at the end of the summer than ever. And I think part of it's the comparison to last year where we're kind of frozen in limbo no matter what. So the, the contrast of just having at least half normalcy now, um, and it just emphasizes the end of the summer switch, or it did for me anyway. Yeah, yeah, and in some ways it feels good, but of course we're always cautious because we're not out of the woods yet. We're obviously. not out of the woods, no, we are not. Yeah. So in our world, um, that means conferences, you know, the fall marks the beginning of that cycle. And certainly in my little world, uh, September right through November is kind of peak season for industry events. And normally I would be traveling to one every week, pretty much. Uh, but a lot of events are still, despite that shift of flipping the switch and stuff, a lot of the events are now either entirely virtual or, you know, they're calling it hybrid, but it's still most of the activity is online now. You know, a few events have made kind of a, uh, an option, right? You could do either or, but that's a tough way to run an event business. And uh, the biggest one in our space is Enterprise Connect, which is about to start. And I had been planning to go and do my annual talk there, but I, I bailed at a certain point. And since then, the event has gone from a hybrid plan to now being entirely virtual. And, uh, you know, it's the, when the dominoes start to fall, right? The big companies say we can't risk employee, having our employees travel. You know, one goes, the other goes. And before you know it, um, you know, you just don't have enough critical mass to make it worth doing so that's the risk of running an event business as we know chris right yeah i think it's a particularly uncertain time to be in that business and especially since i think many many thought that they might be back in live condition 
this fall and now had to suddenly make changes. Uh, but I maybe the maybe the all virtual is still better than the hybrid. I don't know. I it's just a point of view because I've been to some all virtual conferences that were very nice in terms of actually the con the content of the conferences. Whereas if they're hybrid, you have the same problem as we've talked about, where it's like the meeting where you're not in the room, but you're out on video somewhere. You don't always get the real experience, but you also don't even get the full virtual experience. Yeah, yeah. And if you're wearing the uh, producer's hat, you know, what you have to do to make that happen, you know, as soon as you shift to a uh, virtual uh, model and your live streaming where it's more you're staging an event it, it, it's it's the, the stakes are a lot higher and that in fact is one of the themes that has been very clear the last couple of months from the you know the vendors who are in the collaboration space you know whether it's cisco microsoft avaya mitel you know all the cloud players each and every month, it seems like there's a new wave of, of features and capabilities. And a big trend recently has been these collaboration platforms have been focused mostly on conference rooms, meeting rooms, huddle rooms, right? These like small scale, maybe up to 20 people, right? Gathering to do collaborative work. Well, the new layer on top of that has been um, broadcasting, live streaming, events. And these, all of these platforms are playing to this idea that as we become more and more virtualized and this becomes as the norm, there seems to be a greater need now for these collaboration platforms to support these new you know, use cases. So, and they often talk about, well, when you have to broadcast to 10,000 people, now, most people don't ever have a need to do that, but clearly that's the scale of the cloud now that it makes it effortless almost to do that and reach these broad audiences, much the way with social media, you know, with one tweet, you can reach 100,000 people, no effort. And it's such the, the dynamics of that just have so many implications. But now that's starting to become part of the, you know, the narrative in the collaboration space. We're not just one-to-one -one or one to a small group, but we have to think in terms of com conversing and communicating with thousands of people potentially. I don't know about you, Chris, but most people I, I think are just happy to sit at their desks and do their work. Well, I agree, John, but I also think that there's something to be said for making things more comprehensive and operate better as a platform than they have. I mean, there's a fair number of times, even if it's just broadcasting to a few dozen people, that you'd like to just be able to do that with the same suite of tools and not have to go to some specialty tool to to just do that. And I think I think Zoom and some of the other vendors with like with the Zoom webinar setting have have made some progress with that. But I don't think any of this is easy enough to use or as or as comprehensive as it should be. Most of the suites and platforms, if you look at them, just a person's opinion has some glaring weakness somewhere. And it's something that you need to do, and it's hard to do. They're getting better, but this has been a battle that's been going on for decades, right? Yeah. And it's also very interesting that the uh, there's a bit of an arms race going on with 
each collaboration platform adding new features and then the other ones adding the same to catch up you know they, these they become more and more rich in terms of the capabilities and we're even getting to the point now where you know facebook has avatar based uh, meeting room environment so it's not even video and that speaks to maybe some of the gamification that's so common in today's um, technologies but these are real, these are early indications of how the collaboration market, I think, is evolving, where it's almost like, you know, one-to-one communication is, is important, but the real focus is trying to get as many people as possible to work together in as many scenarios as they can. And um, that's fine, and technologies will address that capability. I've never heard of, you know, businesses where, where you have small teams that have a need to do these large scale events, but it's almost like it's a spinoff from what we've been doing in the last two years where all our industry events have become virtual. So the, 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 the skill level and the technology levels have really ramped up quickly to accommodate that. And now that those capabilities are so kind of routine, it's very easy to bake them into these platforms and say, oh, well, you know, if you have to, you know, you start thinking differently about how you communicate and what you share and to whom and how you do it. And I just find it's interesting because most people don't normally think in those terms, right? If you're doing a big event, you've got to really have a whole team behind you and a lot of lead time. But now click of a button, it's just as easy to get a message out to, you know, 25,000 people as it is to have three people in a meeting room. Yeah, but the question is, does it get out as effectively? And so if I were thinking about this, I'd say that, and we can compare notes a few months from now, but if something else bad doesn't crop up, like another variant or something, if, if enough people get vaccinated and things go the way they would go in a better scenario, I think trade shows are coming back. I, I in person. I think that you know the large audience events. They will add an element of broadcast to them, which they've done for a long time. So, for example, the big conferences like Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Facebook, you could always get a virtual ticket, and usually they're free, although not always. Uh, but the fact is, the live event was the thing. You were watching a broadcast of a live event. I think that is likely to come back. I don't know if you get as many thousand people, but the, you can't really replicate the get together, have a few drinks, talk, sit at the booth kind of dynamic with, with virtually. I, I don't think it really works. But I think I don't think that's the holy grail of these platforms, these collaboration systems. You can you can tell me because you do this all the time, but you're in immersed with a lot of the, the vendors and conferences doing your analyst work. But I, I feel that the holy grail that they're really trying to accomplish right now is small group dynamics when the group isn't together. Because if you look at how business productivity happens, it's very often either individual, you know, you're the, you need to write a report, you lock yourself up and write the report, which is fine in a virtual world, or it's a small team in a room full of blackboards or whiteboards, bringing in food, solving the problem, working off each other, the group dynamics and i i really think that in a world where i don't think 
that it's going to be, as we've talked about many times, that it's not going to be everybody comes to the people tank every day. That's really where collaboration technology needs to improve, where it's a mix, where it's not all virtual, it's not all in person. And that's, you know, one of the approaches to that is all the AR, VR, metaverse stuff, like Facebook is trying to do. And I I guess I'm I'm an analog guy, as we always say, so I'm not I'm not that thrilled about that, but it is one approach, and they've been trying to do this for a long time. Um, back to the 80s, the experiment started with this. But one way or another, that's, that's to me, the core of a problem, right? You need to have the resources available. You need to have a natural mode of communication. You need to be able to share creativity and that live feel without really being there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think until we find, you know, I don't think we've found the magic combination yet to do that. As you say, it's, it's been a struggle in terms of not, no one's really truly figured out the best way to do that. So, but it is good to watch. I mean, clearly there's a lot of innovation going on with this stuff. Um, and that keeps people like me busy. That's for sure. But I wanted to shift a little bit, Chris, um, to some another kind of theme I've been noticing over the last few virtual events this month in September. And, and that's this idea that the focus of a lot of the messaging at these events for these vendors who are in the market with collaboration, you know, and contact center types of platforms, what you're hearing a lot about is focusing on how these applications are used to keep employees happy, to keep them engaged, to keep them uh, relaxed, as opposed to here's how you do this task, here's how you work on this project. In other words, the hardcore stuff that collaboration vendors have been pitching from day one, uh, you know, you need these capabilities to do your job. The focus seems to be a lot more on making the, you know, the workplace experience better, more comfortable, more welcoming, less stressful. Um, an interesting one you see, especially when they start talking about video capabilities, it's incredible the number of variations of, you know, customizations you can do on your screen, have different gallery views of combinations of people, because they want to make it feel more like an in-person experience. I find a lot of this stuff is more distracting than anything else, but it's, give, it's, it's tools to kind of make you feel more kind of engaged and um it seems that this focus now is very much about this whole bigger picture thing about, you know, wellness in the workplace, um, keeping people engaged and happy. And that's a reflection, of course, of this big trend we're seeing a lot, as I say, end of summer, back to school, all this stuff. Now that we're in this hybrid world a little bit longer, this sense of what they're calling the great resignation right? That employees are not feeling so tied to their jobs as they were before, now that they're living this new world and seeing other choices and ways of managing their work-life balance. It's really interesting that I think that the balance of power, so to speak, the pendulum is shifting away from the control model of management and organizations to the needs of the workers. And so there's a lot of subtleties to this, of course, right? But um, I've noticed a very distinct shift in the messaging that these vendors are putting out there now. 
Well, I, I think part of it may be, I've, no, I've noticed it too, and it's huge. It's a big topic about people shifting what they're doing. But don't you think that part of it is just trying to be less onerous, right? Less hard to use, a little bit more engaging, right? So I don't know about you, but I try to set myself up to have decent technology in my home office and try to use good tools when I can, um, when it's the other side supports it or whatever. And, you know, there's not a huge amount of difference in the level of engagement between Zoom and Teams and WebEx and what have you. But you go for five or six hours doing that, and it gets to be pretty, pretty wearing on you. You know, if especially if you don't get up and you barely have time to run to the bathroom if you need to in between meetings all day long. And that wasn't really that much difference when there was a world where you could go into the office every day and you're on conference calls from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. or 8 to 8 p.m. It just wears you down. And so I, I do think part of it is to try to offset some of that. And, you know, when you're in the office, it definitely has pluses and minuses, but you can, if you're not on the phone all day long, you can get up from your desk and go have a, have a quick chat with somebody, walk out, get a coffee, and and whereas if you're kind of locked in front of the screen, it gets to be pretty stressful after a while, especially when they don't always work the way they're supposed to, right? Yeah, it's your window on the world, right? I mean, step away from that screen or your smartphone and you are completely isolated. Yeah, right? and, you know, you think about what tech companies in particular have learned keeps people engaged in their off-work life when they've managed to capture them in front of screens all day long and they don't seem to mind it too much. So how do you bring some of that engagement into work? Because it's not dissimilar technology. I think maybe part of the thinking, um, just to try to make it so that it's more like, you know, using your phone or your iPad or what have you, rather than sort of the traditional, I'm sitting in front of a PC and I'm doing I'm very fixed. I'm in a chair. I'm staring at a screen and I'm on some kind of conference call, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know this, this is the, the, this fodder here for many topics, but um, you know, it just seems to me that as, as this technology becomes more and more immersive and more engaging, you know, it's almost as if the workers have to adapt to the technology rather than the technology adapting to the to workers. And, you know, there, there, there might be an underlying concern about automation, robotic trends, you know, threatening and possibly taking away people's jobs. But I know we talked about this before going to record, but, you know, this element of, well, geez, you know, the nature of these jobs isn't that inspiring and, and, and the difficulties of doing it long term and having possibilities for, you know, career advancement, et cetera, et cetera. I can see there's a lot of reasons why people aren't happy in their jobs or with their employers. So there is a lot more fluidity to the workplace now, and that's gotta be really challenging for organizations trying to develop and, you know, nurture talent. And at the same time, you know, keep us as workers, keep us going and, and gainfully employed. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, a couple of comments, and we, we could go on, as you say, forever with this. But 
in the wake of or in the tail end stages of such an incredibly major disruption as the pandemic has been, there's usually a lot of shifting and changing and dissatisfaction um, and seeking new things in the wake of something like that because it's such a big experience for everybody. And they it kind of puts things into focus, makes people think about things maybe they hadn't thought about in a more placid period when they kind of just, you could do the same thing every day and wake up 30 years later and suddenly it's 30 years, you know? Mm. And, but when you get such a disruption as this, it's going to have a lot of ripples in the pond and the way that jobs are structured, the relationship between employers and employees, the implicit contract, what, you know, what workers are seeking out of a job and what management's willing to do for them and all of the practices that have to change in the wake of technology changing and everything else. It's just a pretty, a pretty big shake in the in the landscape and it, it it's not going to just you can't it's not like hitting pause and then play again you know uh, yeah or like you said at the beginning flipping a switch right it's, it's not like we went you know it's not like a freeze frame pandemic play you know it's it's it, there's a lot of change and and turmoil under the surface that was going to come out from something this disruptive. And um, I maybe this is part of that, but I guess we'll see it play out, right? There's more to talk about. Yeah. So what, what's, uh, let's, let's end on a, uh, on a takeaway for, for people here, especially those who are in uh, leadership roles, managing teams, managing technology, managing strategy, et cetera, et cetera. You give you well, how about you 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 say something and I'll say something and I think we'll come to a good conclusion. A takeaway? Okay. Yeah. Gimmicks have a role, but it's not about the gimmicks. As my takeaway. It's about understanding your team, understanding the mission, understanding people's priorities, the job's priorities, and leadership, empathetic leadership for for managers, I think. And you can put all the, the fun-oriented technology you want in there, and it's it's good to have. It's it's a nice thing, but it doesn't replace a gap in the fundamentals. That's my takeaway. Yeah, I'm with you there, Chris, uh, especially uh, empathetic leadership uh, and also on the role of technology. I mean, our podcasts here are kind of about technology, but for longtime listeners, I think you'll know we talk about a lot more than that. But my view is that technology in and of itself, I view it as a fairly neutral resource that you as an organization choose how to deploy it. And to what you're saying, Chris, this type of disruption for us is probably, oh, we probably won't see something bigger than this in our lifetimes. And I, I agree with you as a takeaway, this has probably been the first big, big reckoning we've all had that's caused us all to seriously think about, you know, the place of work, how we do work, et cetera, et cetera. And let, let the kind of the zeitgeist take it where it goes and let the technology find its kind of steady state where it belongs. In other words, I don't think the focus should be on technology is going to save the day for us. It's still us at the end who make the decisions, 
us who choose how engaged we want to be in our jobs, how we prioritize the goals of the organization and let the technology support those rather than having to kind of look up at it and say the cloud, AI, collaboration, these tools will solve all our problems because clearly they can go awry just as much as help us. And uh, I, I think we, I think as analog guys, I think that's kind of our view of it as well. We, we certainly come from a world where we were the ones, you know, running things and the technology kind of caught up to us. And, but we're coming to this point where it's, you know, starting to shift more in the other way where it's more yeah. advanced than what we're able to do day to day. And that's, uh, that's for another topic, right? <laughs> well, we were kind of saying before we uh, started the podcast that when it comes to technology, you know, sometimes you got to think about how old some of the technology that's pervasive is, particularly something like email. And it is nice to think of new ways of working because if you just take the same number of years, when we started, I mean, the PCs were really starting to get into the office and all of this. But suppose we went to a job and we were relatively young and ambitious and energetic and somebody plopped, you know, a, type, an, a manual typewriter, some carbon paper on our desks, along with some bulky manuals from the 1930s and said, this is why you're going to work. And we probably, you know, if we were ambitious enough, we might go with that and learn how to do it and all that. But it certainly wouldn't be that inspiring. And, you know, when you look at old ways of doing things and stuff that's been around for a long time and kind of non-integrated pieces of things that don't really work all that well together and fundamental problems like where is my document, which is a huge problem. That's not really technology making it that compelling, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And uh, boy, it's, it's, everything was leading to something else now. So this is a good time to stop. It's a good time to say, you know, farewell. Yeah, so let's kick off the outro here. Okay. So on that note, this brings us to the end of today's time for our episode for Watch This Space, and we will thank you now for listening. So thank you all. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you'll continue to explore the future of work here on Watch This Space. You can access all of our episodes at www.watchthisspace.tech or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. And we'd love it if you could leave us a review or a rating and, of course, share it with everyone you think might enjoy it. And with that, I'm John Arnold. And I'm Chris Fine. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, John. Good to be with you. And we will see you again next month on Watch This Space.